to the very last episode <gasps> of 2017. Oh I'm so glad you didn't say it. <laughs> Forever. No. Unless you were like, Sarah, you're out of a job. <laughs> this is the final 2017 episode of Brain Candy Podcast, episode 182. Very oh exciting. Gosh. It's been Goodbye, a great year. 2017. <laughs> Actually, it's been a Garbage. shit year. Garbage. Total garbage. Has it been like that for you? For the whole world, I think. Like for the whole world. That's what everyone's saying. Okay, good. And I heard, I saw this thing somewhere that said, like 2016 caterpillar, 2017 cocoon, 2018 butterfly. So hopefully butterfly. Well, that is optimistic. Yeah, I was trying to be optimistic. I really hope that's the yeah. case. But at any rate, it's exciting. Mm. It's a fresh start. I do love that. Me? I'm one of those cheesy people that really gets into the new year, like the fresh start thing. Uh, me too. I know. It's, I love it. But it's kind of cheesy. Is it? We're basic. Oh, it is basic. <laughs> but if it is helpful, mm-hmm. great. You just can't. I learned, and we talked about this, I think, in the, the podcast last year, the year before we did, that you can't call them resolutions. That's right. What do you call them? Uh, Something else. I think just goals. Oh, yeah. Goals. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you do that, then the the yep. they've done studies on how you're more likely to fail, and then you go, oh, I didn't do it for day one, so I guess I'll just th- throw like they throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know. To be honest, one of my goals is what we've been talking about on recent episodes about stop being polite. Mm. This idea that I like goals like that too that are sort of like it's not about willpower or anything, yeah. but it's still about self improvement. You know? That's really good. So it's more about just reminding myself not the voice. Yeah, just say it. Mm-hmm. Just say it. And it's really hard for me because people think of me as very outspoken. Oh my God. But I yes. really do have a problem with speaking up for myself in certain situations. Okay. This is interesting. So <clears throat> I think that you think that you have a problem with speaking up for yourself in certain situations because you have an awareness that there is a situation going on. I think for a lot of people, they go, man, I don't ever feel like that because they don't even have an awareness that there is. Because don't you feel like recently you've become hyper aware? I think that this is all new for us. Okay. I think that before, the reason why we're having these feelings, like, oh my God, I have to speak out. Because we're, it's like there's that... That old story about when Christopher Columbus's ships came over and the Indians at first didn't, Native Americans, <sighs> didn't even see the ships because they had no context for them even existing. But a medicine man saw the ripples in the water and he said, I'm going to keep staring because there's something out there. And then as he started understanding that there was something else out there, the ships began to appear to him. And then he was like, yo, what's up? Ships are coming. And... That's cool. People didn't even, if you don't, if your mind is not ready to see those things or ready to even hear those things or, or take on, like deal with that, yeah, you're blind to it. Yeah. So maybe we're halfway there then. We are. Okay. That's I think, and now that good. you are, have this awareness, like the, the way to get rid of those anxious feelings about that awareness is to do what you're saying. Yeah. Is to then take the next step. Yeah. So that's my That's goal. why like the medicine man had to tell everybody, yo, there's ships here because he had to then take the next step because he saw it and you have to kind of help other people. You know, this is uh, just something you maybe think of. Maybe we have seen UFOs then mm. and <gasps> we just didn't know them because we don't know what UFOs look did like. You, did you see that there was that report that came out from one of the guys who used to work in the 
I can't remember. I have to look it up now. Like the C- Central Intelligence, he worked for something big, and then he recently left the job, and he says that there are UFOs. There are like alien yeah. space. He, okay. he was like, yeah, there are. And they visited us. Oh, well, I don't know about that. I, I mean, I didn't. I guess so. Read if he's that calling them the UFOs. Yeah. Let me see. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah, tippity tapping away, trying to uh-huh. uncover alien life. Yeah, I'm like, but proof like, what of if alien life. our our idea of what a you know alien spacecraft right? would look like? Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. That maybe we've seen. <gasps> <gasps> that maybe we've seen them and we just it were like that's we don't even see them we saw the ripples like yep, the wind yep, blowers yep yep <laughs> yep oh my gosh this is not the direction i thought this show was gonna no take like not already. at all but whatever who cares new year new us Former high-level officials and scientists with deep black experience who have always remained in the shadows came forward on one platform Yes. The team includes a 25-year veteran of the CIA's direct, director of operations and Lockheed Martin program director for advanced systems at Skunk Works, a former deputy assistant secretary of defense intelligence. And they say, we believe there are discoveries within our reach that will revolutionize the human experience. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, this is the thing that I found it on. Wow. Uh, there is sufficient credible evidence of UAP that proves exotic technologies exist that could revoli- re- revolutionize the human experience. Dang. What? <laughs> That's so funny. Sufficient credible evidence that proves exotic technologies exist. I like that they called them exotic technologies because that's not straight up saying like, there's a flying saucer, but yeah, that's what word I was looking for. The truth flying is out there. Saucer. Why are I want to believe. Why are we even calling them the flying saucers anyway? Where did that they look come like from? Saucers. Who? Oh. See what I mean? Yep. Who decided they look like saucers? There, there, I'm sure that there's research that's done on the introduction. Uh, don't you have a Vox or Reddit or something like <laughs> underneath the napkin or carpet videos that are like, when did we discover flying saucers? I'll look one up. Have you? Do you ever use the word saucer without flying though? Like I've never used. Oh my gosh! I very rarely use the word saucer when they're just stable. No, <laughs> only when they're it's flying. Flight. Oh man, it's a lot to take on already. I know. Whatever. Who cares? Um, <laughs> Pinot Grigio. Have a, I wish we were having Pinot Grigio. Sarah's hungover, so it's now starting to go away. So I think it's good. It might be time. Almost. <sighs> well, anyway, it's the time of year, though. This Christmas, like the end of Christmas through New Year's yeah. is a big time for people to get engaged. Did you know? I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Oh, according to ESPN, everybody should be doing it on every commercial break because all they play are Zales Diamond commercials. Would you be mad? Like, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I do know when Landon. He, was it your October. birthday? Oh, okay. October 11th. So would you be mad if like your boyfriend tried to give you an engagement ring as your Christmas present? Oh, hell (laughs) no. You cannot double dip. Rule number one. That's what I say to anybody who, like, I always joke that I like spread it out. Yes. Over the year. Yeah. Birthday or Valentine's Day, February 14th. Birthday, February 25th. Anniversary, March Engagement anniversary, October, Lana's birthday, November, Christmas, Christmas right. December. That's We're smart. Good. You got to plan your kid's birthday too to like not yeah. mess up any of that. With my slow. luck, it'll be on mine. <laughs> Just take over. 
Well, a lot of people are getting engaged, and we want them to register with Zola.com. Smart. Slash Brain Candy, because they will give you 50 bucks towards your registry. And if you're not familiar with Zola, and you are a new uh, bride-to-be, they have an easy, fun, free website where you can register for experiences, you can register for um, gifts from 500 brands, there's... Like you can have your friends pool I love that money love and buy that. you something really expensive, which is a group gift. And then you can personalize your registry with photos and they have price matching and free shipping. They have so much stuff and it's all there in one place. So you don't have to register at a bunch of uh, spots. And if you go to Zola.com slash brain candy, again, you'll get the $50 credit towards your registry and you can spend it however you want. It's a, you know, registering can be a real pain for people. So it's yeah, nice if you can do it. I didn't like it. it. Yeah. No. Some people real get, really get into it, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. site makes it fun. Oh, and this makes it good for all the other people who have to deal with your exactly. registry. Exactly. <laughs> if you're like us, you're married, but you got to go to a lot of weddings, uh-huh. then this is perfect because it's all right there. You can get a group gift or whatever you want. So give that a try. Zola.com mm-hmm. slash brain candy. Um, okay. Where shall we begin? I know you've been like scratch. You have a lot of stuff, but I got stuff too, so I don't yeah, know. What do you, what you got going on over there? I read an interesting article that made my wheels turn mm-hmm. about how I, for example, have a nanny. Yes. And we love her, and her name is Teresa, and Lincoln loves her. And she is practically a part of our family, mm-hmm. and that's often the case with nannies because they're obviously so involved with raising your kid and in your personal space every day. And you're trusting them with so much. and you Yeah, but where are they on Instagram? Oh. Nowhere. Not, like you don't on have a, my, a single picture. Of, yeah. Never. Right. In fact, I only have two pictures of her total, mainly because I'm not with her and him right. <laughs> normally. Yeah. So it's not like... Uh, there are a lot of picture opportunities, right? <laughs> but um, the article was in the New York Times, and it was talking about how a lot of the mommy bloggers and Pinteresty type mm-hmm. uh, accounts mm-hmm. on Instagram have these perfect lives, but don't show that they're nanny sort of you know that the, there's more to it, and yeah. there's more people involved than just this perfect, beautiful mom who's like looks like she has it all together. I mean, I know they at least have a photographer. <laughs> Somebody is taking because those I'm going, pictures. Who is holding the kids? Because I mean, unless your four-year-old, who are, you, him, who are you having in mind? Which uh, celebrity? Uh, um, I love her. Uh, Ava. Uh, um, oh, Eva. Eva. Yeah, Martina. Yeah, yeah. Susan Sarandon's daughter. Happily ever Eva. Yeah, happily ever Eva. <laughs> no, happily Eva. After. Happily Eva after. Yeah. Yes, I love her. Following her, I love all of her stories. I'm like, you definitely have a team. Yeah. Right? But there's no talk of it. No, and the not funny once. thing about that particular example yeah. is that first of all, I met her once at movie night at Phil's house. Oh my god! And she was like, "I feel like I know you. Do I know you?" And I go, "I feel like I know you." Yeah. And then we both realized how lame we were. From, <laughs> she realized I'm from MTV, <laughs> and she's from Happily Eve After. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, like, but oh, we both, you know, she had that incident where her night nurse nanny Mm -hmm. she has like a somebody that does the night shift overnight dropped her baby boy on his head and they had to go to the emergency room and that's when she did a blog post about it about this whole thing 
and had to basically admit oh that gosh. she wasn't getting up in the night, that some nanny was doing it. It's very important for people to know that. Yes, because, it is. I mean, I even have an awareness that there's something going on and I feel um, less than. What is the word I'm looking for? I, like incompetent or or yes. more like I, I feel – what is the right word? I mean, there's another word for less than, like, like. It's not insignificant. It's not insignificant. I know what you're trying it's to get at. It's more like inferior. Inferior. Yes. Yes. Oh, like people I'm were never, probably screaming. They it. are screaming. <laughs> I'm like, I'm never going to. No matter what, I'm never going to be like. It almost feels like, oh man, if I choose to put my focus on education, then my meals go to shit. If I try to put my focus on taking care of my house plants, then the dogs don't get fed. You know, it's like there's a, one of me. Even when those people try to do like a real pose where they're like, they'll show a messy room or something. Yeah. Even those appear to be cuter than <laughs> like yeah. how you know yeah. that it really yeah. is. Yeah. Um, so, but I think that feeling is very common and there's this weird thing where we like aspirational uh, yep. accounts. It's yep. fun to follow yep. pretty things. But then there's this other part that makes you feel like, why isn't my life like right. that? Well, and then let me tell you, when I follow some of the, you know, I'll go ahead and say it, challengers and other people from reality TV shows and they're doing their, um, uh, like going on Instagram live or they're doing, a, I'm looking at their snaps or whatever. Yeah. Pick up your fucking room. Oh, they are Clean messy. your shit up. Make the bed. Buy some curtains. What? Remember when we should somebody... be using tinfoil as curtains. That's what I was This is insane. That's an actual example, by the like way. Like a real example. That's and I'm like, you are a grown ass human being, and you're gonna and we're gonna be okay with this, and we're not gonna think that I mean, come on. I know. So here I am uh, to but people it's who have weird... clean houses. Yeah. I'm like, oh damn, I'm I'm not good enough. But then I look at somebody who really has a messy floor and I'm like, get your shit together. That What's is wrong true. with me? Yeah, it's a weird thing, social media, because you do, it's all through this weird filter. And then when you see a normal one or like a messy one, you think you're gross. But anyway, the nanny thing in particular was fascinating to me because I can relate to it, number one, Mm -hmm. but also because there's so many factors. Like, first of all, it's very personal. I I wouldn't want to invade her privacy. And she she's a U.S. citizen, but a lot of nannies mm-hmm. are not here legally as well. So there's that issue. Mm-hmm. You don't want to put somebody on social media that maybe isn't supposed to be in the country to begin with. Yeah. Um, so those are concerns. But and there are cultural beliefs around exposure and taking a bunch of pictures and put like that kind of yeah um, putting your face out there for consumption kind of thing. Is, yeah, I think in in it's not it's a very Western like American thing yeah you know but they talked about how like even um paparazzi pictures like with brad pitt and angeline jolie they have six nannies on staff and even in the paparazzi pictures they're forgotten and it's like it's almost like choreographed remember that one where i told you we were talking uh, uh, probably a hundred episodes ago now about gwen stefani and i saw her with her kids and she did that thing where she like took yes. the baby from the nanny yeah. and at first I was like oh what's that about and I had like mixed feelings about it by the end of it I was like oh you know what get a nanny did you fine have your nanny like we shouldn't be so hard on her but yeah we can't pretend like they don't yeah I, I it makes people like us feel 
inferior and and like we're not working hard enough when we are exhausted right yeah it's a weird balance where you have to put a lot of thought into different things but i don't know i was just i like the conversation well then thinking about um almost like forcing somebody to be on instagram you know, by if you take her picture and then you put Some her up there. Some people do not want to No, be. not at all. Yeah. Exactly. Some people do not. And, you know, I there was a um, kind of a, a – I can remember when it was when we first started doing this the podcast. And Lincoln was still kind of getting to know me. We weren't like the best buds we are now. Yeah. And there was a feeling of me like, – I felt like I needed to ask you for permission to put his picture on my – Instagram. Mm-hmm. Like, the, to, is it okay if I post this picture of me and Lincoln? Because I didn't want it to be like too exposing. Yeah, yeah. Or in any way, like thinking, you know, any of my friends' kids, you know, we have got friends who buy our uh, brain candy shirts, like the kids' shirts, and they sent me pictures of their kids. And I was like, I don't, you know, I want to make sure that it's okay that I yeah. put their you have child's to be careful face about that. on. Yeah, you really do. Yeah. But I, I mean, a lot of celebrities kind of do pretend like they're running a one woman show when that's not possible. Impossible. Totally. And so it might be nice to be a little it's more like open about it. Show. <laughs> Plus <Right>. photographer. <laughs> right. And then Still some stick with that. photographer. Yeah. It's just okay to talk about it and be yeah. like, yeah, so this is part of my life. And- we don't care. We're like, oh dang, lucky you. <laughs> right. Nobody thinks you're like less of a mom, right? right. Do you? I don't because I have a nanny, but right. I mean, I can see why some people would, would feel that way or feel like you don't really know what it's like to mm. experience sort of the workload of a normal yeah mom or mm-hmm. or dad mm-hmm. 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 i don't know just mm-hmm. something to think about i'll put the article in the newsletter because yeah. i thought it was good food for a thought even if you just have a babysitter or a daycare it's just a weird thing that a lot of your life is not something you ever reveal on social media Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Well, speaking of life and social media, I have an interesting thing I read. Um, So this woman, her last name is Talbert. I can't remember what her first name is. But she was diagnosed with a terminal illness, PSP, which is kind of like Parkinson's disease. Yeah. And she thought about, like, she had a father who passed away when she was 14 years old, and she missed a lot of those you know, moments to really connect with like a father daughter. And she says the things that she held on most were things like video recordings of him and those, like the sound of his voice really Mm. mattered to him. So she created this platform called safe beyond where, and now there it's like growing. There are a few different uh, programs that do this where people who, you know, well, everybody's going to die, you know, so they, send messages they set up messages to send to their future relatives whoa so you mean she, like voicemail yeah like like videos oh, video like could be anything on an event so you can you can schedule it so oh 20 years from now this person will receive a direct message from you who's been passed away for however many years so and if, if you're if you have something that you know is going to kill you then you can send from the grave notes to relatives and a 
this site that she runs is uh, already has over 12,000 users and people who are kind of like, I mean, could you imagine if you, you have, I, I, I just think of, you know, especially somebody who's younger and gets diagnosed with something terminal and has, you know, family or, or everybody's got somebody that they want to leave behind. And there are people who are researchers in, in other fields, like this woman, Deborah Bass, uh, Bassett or Bassett, she's, um, she studies the impact of death. Yeah. And she says that this is fantastic to help with the grief process. What do you think about it? I think it's great. I think it's good. Um, would you want to get a video yeah. from the great beyond? Yeah. <laughs> really? I, I, Who would oh you God, want I one from? Oh my God, I have the saddest. Oh, I can't even think about it. A couple months ago when I got my new phone, I was going through to clear out space in my voicemails and I deleted the only message I ever saved from my grandmother. No. I can't even talk about it. I'm going to cry. It's, it's okay. gone. And then I just had to remind myself that, yeah. like, oh, you have all those wonderful memories. Oh, my God. I can't talk about it. I'm going to cry. Oh, oh I t- I'm so sorry. That is like, very sad. damn, when I deleted it. And, like, every day I go back and, oh, I mean, not now. But I for a long time I was like, maybe it still exists somewhere. You know, that feeling, that <sighs> feeling that you regret. have, regret, is the worst. The worst in the my worst opinion, feeling. the worst feeling yeah. that you can have. Yeah. Because you just want to go back in time. I know. And then the moment I did it, felt like I just got stabbed in the stomach. Like, oh, oh my God. Oh my God. What did I just do? Oh my you knew God. Immediately. I, immediately. Cause ah, I moved them all. To the, and then, then it was like, do you want to delete all the, like clear all? Oh, and as fuck. soon as you pushed the button, I knew, as soon as I knew, I knew oh, it. it was the worst moment. That ever. is so sad. But it's okay. She comes and visits me all the time. It is okay. So, but yeah. that's a terrible thing. Did feeling. I tell you about the picture that moved on Thanksgiving? No. <laughs> okay. I really do have to share this story. Okay. So there's one picture of my grandma in the whole house. And first of all, if you know anything about me in my house, everything has a place. And when it comes to interior design, there's a difference between one inch to the left or one inch to the right. Like I notice where everything is. I'm like the person who has to like go into your house and straighten your I pictures. I just joked last time she came over, she walks into my house and this is true every time yeah. and she takes stock. She will look at every detail and she'll be like, is that shirt from Latote? Oh, Lincoln got his picture. Oh, you got your tree and you got the, I mean, it's ridiculous. I see everything. Yeah. Because the visual image of what, which is another story we're going to talk about later, but is so strong in my head of what it okay. looked like the last time. So I recognize when there's a change. Right. So I had just, I have this shelf and there's like five, you know, this little bookshelf. There's like five different shelves. Um, on the top shelf were some plants. I watered those plants that afternoon. Mm-hmm. Everything was, just, was... Everything as is it exactly be. how it should be. Okay. My mom and Landon are there and that's it. We... This is the night before Thanksgiving. We're setting up everything for Thanksgiving. My mom and I are sharing all these stories. We're, we're taking out every single plate that used to be my grandmother's and cleaning them all up, shining all the silverware. My mom's telling me stories of the box that the silverware came in and how it was her great-grandma, blah, 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 blah. I go into the living room to go, maybe just walk through the living room to go um, out the front door. And this is like an area of our house that nobody ever goes in. It's like that room that nobody's been in. Yeah. The picture of my grandmother was turned almost, I would say, 90 degrees, directionally facing the living room where we were all standing. Like, it, it moved, and I stopped in a second. Also, everything else on there is white and this picture frame is black. So it stands out and I noticed it. I say, I instantly go, mom, get in here. Tell me, did you move that picture frame? Tell me right now that you move that picture frame. 
She goes, I did not touch that picture frame. I said, Landon, get in here. Tell me you moved <laughs> that picture frame. It really was. I was like, look me in the eyes. Because then tears started welling up. Because I'm like, I know two hours ago I watered that plant. I know and I touch everything make sure it all looks the same because I'm so big on that. That picture frame, and I would never put a picture frame at an angle. I'm always like straight on. Look. Yeah. It was nine. And when I turned it back, it made the loudest squeaking noise you could imagine. What do you think? I think grandma moved it. Do you? I think she positioned herself to see everything that was going on in the room. Watch everybody. It's where we were all standing. And I mean, I got this like, oh, grandma's here. Oh, that's really lovely. So I'll let the voicemail go and I'll just worry about moving pictures. It's the only only thing I've ever noticed moving my whole entire house. Wow. Well, that's beautiful. And so I put it in a different frame and like made it real special. And if she wanted to be at an angle, I positioned it so she can see the living room now. No. Yeah. Because I thought she's going to move it herself. I might as well just leave it like that. That's like, so funny. Yeah. I'm glad that happened for you. Yeah, it was like comforting. So It's strange though the, about the voicemails and stuff because I don't know. I, I like oh, yeah. the idea. What are your feelings on that? I think it's really nice. And if that's comforting to you, you know, that's a really cool service mm-hmm. that they, they provide. But I don't know. It's kind of weird. What if it were... So, okay, in this scenario, you're gone. Yeah. Because now it's like 100 years from now. And Lincoln's had kids and they've had kids. And now... That would be so cool. Women, like there's a woman president and all this stuff and things are awesome. And she gets a message on her 18th birthday from her great-great-grandmother who said like, I'm part of this, you know, this is what it was like here for me now. And, you know, yeah, like I care if you about could the future. Hear, if you could and, watch right now a video of your ancestors oh, from 150 years ago. I would ago, love that. Wouldn't that be awesome? Awesome. So that's what I think. And and the, the woman who was to, uh, <laughs> writing about this said that it, like, kind of like we talk about, she didn't say these exact words, but the gist of it I got was it helps create that positive death narrative. Yeah. And so the woman who started this, Talpert, she said that she, it helped her plan her whole funeral and how, because she knew she was going to die and it was not going to be a long time from now yeah so she said here's the deal everybody's wearing tie-dye so everybody at her funeral is going to have tie-dye on and she said that's because she wants people who are driving by to see a bunch of people crying in tie-dye would be like something sad <laughs> happened at joe's crab shack and i was like that's so funny that's i like really her funny. yeah so Aww. it creates like it's okay to talk about it. it's okay if you're like planning already kind of makes it so your legacy lives on and maybe the scariest part about dying for people is that their legacy isn't, they're done. They're like, them is, is gone. But with this, you don't, and that's kind of what I loved about that movie Coco too, is that the legacy lives on and that pictures and all those things and stories are really important. You know what else is important? What? Good, clean skin. Very. If I'm going to be having a picture that survives for (laughs) a hundred years, I'd like to have no zits in it. Thanks. If you have problem skin as I do, then you have to try BioClarity. And if you're a longtime listener and you haven't tried it yet and you have problem skin, what are you waiting yeah, no for? Joke. Talk it's to a all new of our other year. Listeners love it. I know. Just give it a try. It's risk free. And they offered our listeners a $20 savings. So if you go to bioclarity.com and use our code BRAINCANDY, you get your first month for $9.95 plus free shipping. And it's a great three step wash for your face that is soothing and effective, cleared my skin up, and it can make a difference for you. Give it a try. Your skin really does look nice today. 
Oh my god, thanks. You're like minimal makeup. Well, it, and under the weather. Woo! <laughs> it's one of those things where if I do have something that comes up, you know, everyone has a zit here and there. Yeah. But it's not like it used to be where it's like, mm-hmm. well, for I never like two had weeks it's there. clear yeah. skin right. ever. Right. It was just a constant condition. And I feel so grateful to have BioClarity. So you should try it. BioClarity.com, code brain candy for that $9.95 offer. It's mm-hmm. a great deal. Um, I read this thing about, you'll probably figure it out in two seconds because <laughs> it was about um, how l- left cheek portraits are seen as more um, like emotion. Left cheek. Oh, like, like right left brain. Cheek left cheek facing yeah. portraits where yeah. the left cheek is prominent mm-hmm. are seen as being uh, more expressive mm-hmm. and why that would be. Left, because your right brain is your emotion center. Yeah. Yeah. Can you believe that? Mm-hmm. That because your the muscles in your smile and your face are controlled by both parts of your brain, which, you know, the opposite side does it. So it's not going to be, mm-hmm. what's the word? Symmetrical. Yeah. Oh, there's only, well, you know what? There's something to add to that. Yeah. So there's only one face, uh, every expression that is, uh, or every feeling that is a universally experienced emotion is represented symmetrically on the face with the exception of disgust. It's the only asymmetrical emotion. So maybe since that's such an intensified feeling, what we're recognizing is the asymmetry of like the disgust and it's like more of an intense feeling for us. But on studies of like the face and how the sm- you smile and this, like a real smile would be both sides matching. Huh. But, but then again, maybe a smirk is only on the left. Right. Well, and like, remember when you were here that one day, Adam did a picture for my website where he just reversed the image yeah. so that it was facing the other way. And I go, why do I look like I had a stroke? Yeah. And you go, just cause he, you're not used to seeing yourself. That and I way. thought it looked great. <laughs> right. And you're like, what's wrong with me? I'm like, no, no, that looks really fine. Right, because you're used to looking uh-huh. at me that way. But that's a strange phenomenon. But mm-hmm. it makes sense, though, that if the right brain is controlling your emotions or where your emotions are sort of housed, yeah, then your left face mm-hmm. reflects that. Yeah, and this right side is just chilling over there, just like being really analytical being and <laughs> crabby, crabby, no. real I rational. That was so weird. I wonder if so. There are <clears throat> things that that. It's called the left cheek bias, by the way. What? I love Where that we name. prefer it. Where you like to look at them. Yeah. Too. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of action that goes on, on my left side of my face. Like I got wrinkles on that side and not the other one. Do you sleep on that side? No, I talk out of the side of my mouth. <laughs> and now I got a dimple on this side, not on, on that That's side. That's so I like weird. can't make that facial expression. I can't. <gasps> you know what? What? That actually makes me think about the people who can only make expressions with one side of their face. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you try to like wink, I don't know how to wink with right. both eyes. Me neither. So I wonder if people who are ambidextrous are have better facial controls of their like better controls of both sides of their face because they work better together. There's like more communication between the left and right hemisphere. Maybe. You can do a whole bunch of follow-up studies on this. <laughs> That's I lo- interesting. Isn't it funny how there's like actually people who study all of this stuff. I know. I love it. I read a freaking weird, um, 
What is? What would you say your biggest fear is? Fire. Done. Easy. Hundred percent. Then don't even. <laughs> no. That's it. 100%. What do you mean being in a fire? Everything around. Even and around. Everything. No wonder you're giving away candles. I am. <laughs> oh my god! This is so funny. You just thank you. That is. You might. You might have solved the. That. Oh my god! I did not know that. I this am about terrified you. of fires. Oh my god! Like Sarah, I have to check every outlet to make sure nothing's plugged in when I leave. I, there's a big fear that the lint in the dryer is going to somehow cause a dryer, like oh, a, yeah, a fire from that. Oh, yeah, you talk about fire all the time. I have to touch. I used to have to touch every thing on the stove to make sure it was off. Once wow. when I was, I think it stemmed from two things. One, the house burning down next door to me when I was a little kid. Awesome. And the firefighters having to be on the roof of my house to stop the flames from like oh my god and they lost everything it was the oh. worst and they had two kids and i like played in the ashes of their teddy bears it was really weird this is a weird story it's totally weird it took a really dark turn yeah and <laughs> I played uh, in the ashes of their teddy no really bears. they were like burnt teddy bears i like made a little i like took them and made them this like, sounds in my like little... the genesis of tuesday's sacrifice as well. it, it might be like the burnt melted teddy bears like in the corner and then when i was in elementary school i was I had the iron plugged in and it was on my windowsill. And this is how I knew I was eight. I know I'm ADD because this was when I was in junior high. I did this and elementary school, I would do dumb shit like this. I left it plugged in and it must've fallen over. When I got home that day, it had melted through the entire thing. Suze, if my house, the only thing that saved our house from burning down was that the metal, there was a metal frame around the window. It melted straight through and the metal was on fire, like so hot. And it had all melted the through the paint, through all like the plastic seal. It was, it should have caught the house on fire. And then in my, the back of my head, I've had this, I am so fucking lucky that the ho- that I did not catch our family home on fire when I was a kid. So I like in the back of my mind is this thing all the time of, You've left something on. You've got to go check. You have to turn around. I've gone to work, turn around, and driven all the way home on my lunch break, took taking the entire hour oh my. to see that nothing was on, and then just so my anxiety could go away. Wow. So yeah, fire. I'm going to go with fire. <laughs> what the heck is the article you have to talk about? <laughs> well, it's not about fire. Oh, thank God. But one of my biggest fears is <laughs> far more specific. Okay. <laughs> have you ever heard of when someone gets surgery... And they're under the anesthesia, but they can feel everything. <gasps> yes, trapped in. What do they call it? Locked in. Yeah. Or, oh, that and happens they are more like often screaming than in their yes. mind, and they're going. They can feel everything. That's one of my biggest fears, dude. Dude, right? So I was mm. reading. They, there's a new book out about anesthesia, but I read a an excerpt from it in the Atlantic, oh, and. Fuck. I mean, okay, so this guy that trauma would never go away. You would be traumatized. Right? And then you wouldn't even know why because you were... Okay. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Tell me. They did this study. So this guy just did this study because he was trying to determine the efficacy of anesthesia. And, Mm -hmm. like, is... This was his query. Is it true that they aren't feeling anything or are we just eliminating their memory of it? I think we're eliminating the memory. Okay. So he (gasps) did this study where... He was um, going to monitor women getting specifically hysterectomies because um, the way that this particular cocktail of stuff that they were using allowed him to test it because they do an anesthetic, but then 
they would also use um, like muscle relaxers mm-hmm. and stuff to basically paralyze people so that they can't, you know, move, oh, which Jesus is Christ. what they do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I under, when you but say it, terrifying. I get it, but it sounds horrible. So he did like um, a situation where he applied a tourniquet type of thing on their arm so that the muscle relaxer didn't go in all the way into their hand so okay. that, that he okay. could talk to them and give them commands and then they could respond through squeezes of their hand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so he said to them, you know, I'm talking, he put headphones on and it was a recording. It was the same for all of them. And it was like, hi, Susie, um, if you can hear me, squeeze my hand. And so then they would squeeze his hand because they could hear him. But then he would say, if you're feeling pain, squeeze my hand twice. Half of them did. No! Okay. Then when they woke up, okay, there's a lot. They didn't. Most of them didn't remember. Some of them did. Okay, but here's the thing: are those memories still trapped in there? Well, that's what he said. Is that he went up when he would prompt them with Mm. different reminders? Then they would have recollections, and then he they'd say, "I squeezed your hand." Like they would be able to recall it. Okay. There could be a lot of things that that unintended consequences that we don't know about that were doing to these people when oh Sarah, God, that's he, and he he shut down the study because okay. he was so disturbed dude dude <laughs> right i do not want to go under anesthesia. that's what i'm saying it, okay i changed my fear <laughs> fuck fires burn baby burn <laughs> i just feel like we should be looking into this we really need to let's not shut down studies for goodness sakes that's- we need another that's why I don't have my wisdom, or I'm sorry, I didn't get my wisdom teeth taken out because they do the twilight, that's yep. what that is, the twilight stuff where it's oh just a memory thing so that they can tell you, you know, you, you can, they're, the patient is aware and can follow orders, but won't remember it. You know what happened to me when I got my wisdom teeth out? What? <laughs> they, so I did it when I was about 15 or 16 years old. And I think at the time, it, there was a time in my life when I, it was right after a lot of family trauma happened and the things with my dad happened and I hadn't processed any of that. So there was a period of about five, almost maybe 10 years before I really started getting regular therapy where I would have these horrible nightmares and these like night terrors where I would wake up in the middle of the night crying and I wouldn't know why. And I think it was my subconscious trying to process everything and work things out. When I went and got my wisdom teeth taken out and they put me in that twilight. Yeah. They when I woke, they said they had never experienced anybody react like I did, and I cried hysterically, like the whole. T- I was bawling, and I woke Why? up crying, like hysterically crying. And I think it was that same. My I it like lowered my threshold for or whatever, put me in that weird half in between, half asleep, half awake. I am not into that, and it triggered the same. Th- I never would have ever put that together, but they said my experience. See, you must be one of those people that's like have a tendency for that. I do. And when I have, when I go through intense, like their sessions of therapy, there'll be two or three days where all my dreams will have to work. I'll be like working shit out in my dreams. Or if my husband and I aren't talking about something that needs to be discussed, I'll have the nightmare that then I go, okay, I got to talk about this with him. Cause it's Jeez. like un, un, unresolved yeah. you trauma. Know, trauma. Yeah. And I think that there, they could be there. We don't even know if you have somebody who has like intense childhood trauma and then you put them in this state where they're 
yeah, lower, and then you right. pair that with a pain that maybe matches to some childhood abuse that also <laughs> oh like, you don't this even know you can so go re- it could be really fucked up see but like also maybe we'll like take your appendix out which is good and maybe be a lift yeah and the thing is like i get it if you and have no memory means, what's yeah. the big deal but like the body doesn't forget <laughs> right there's a book called the body remembers oh god it's about that stuff this is a nightmare oh my god in. it's actually a fantastic book and i'm gonna make it our january book club Book. Whoa! <gasps> what just happened? Full circle. What? I talked to you about that book What's weeks it ago. Remember, I said I want to talk about this oh, book about remember. called "The Body Remembers," and it's about trauma and how you can like work through it. Dude, oh. is Grandma here right now? <laughs> Check to see if any pictures are moved. This is so good. Stop it! You guys should join our book club though, because it's getting real good. Oh yeah, 2018. I got a lot of good books oh my God, coming I'm up. So excited! Yeah. If you want to join, you can join via Patreon. That's also where our challenge content lives, patreon.com slash brain Um, We have a guest today, though. But before we, we get to the guest, I just want to say, if you are one of those people who wants to make a New Year's resolution, or as we call them, goals, a good one would be to go to a website called Smart About Money, which is a free website brought to you by the National Endowment for Financial Education. Who doesn't need that, a financial education? And you can take free online courses to make a financial plan. You can learn how to build an emergency fund, get basics on credit and debt, and take charge of your housing and transportation expenses, which is something pretty much everybody would love to learn more about. And you're probably like, wait, what's the deal? There's no such thing as free. What's the catch? But the truth is smart about money. There's no catch or hidden agenda ever. Their website is smartaboutmoney.org candy, and you can get started and find the tools and articles that Smart About Money recommends for our listeners. That's smartaboutmoney.org. O-R-G slash candy and thank them for sponsoring the Brain Candy Podcast. Okay, so our guest today is uh, the author of a book I read called Seven Steps to Managing Your Memory and his name is Andrew Budson. Well, isn't that appropriate? I know! Hello. Right. The things we accidentally talk about and then come full circle. You would think that we had a plan. Right! This is great. Um, This, I thought that when I... So the the subtitle is what's normal, what's not, and what to do about it. I'm kind of obsessed with like not losing my memory, yeah. like get, having Alzheimer's and stuff because it runs in the family. There are certain things that you know make you higher risk, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm petrified because mm-hmm. as we've talked about losing your mind, if that's all you got, it's all I got, people. Yeah. It's like Still Alice. It's like yes, yep, the movie Still Alice mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. she had um, early onset, mm-hmm. which is super terrible but he i the book is um great for if you happen to be a person that you know your parents are getting older for example which is like everyone yeah well you know if they're reaching that age where they're like you know starting to forget some things and you think well is that normal Uh or is this maybe cause for concern yeah and i i thought it was a great book in terms of providing the information for that because Mm -hmm. some of it's normal and some of it really isn't. And I don't know. I just think that I worry about that and I would want, like, I want my, I'll give it to him. I'll be like, Lincoln, look, (laughs) the good news is if you do have, um, if you're an intelligent person Mm -hmm. and oftentimes if you end up getting dementia or Alzheimer's, a lot of the, you know, sort of symptoms can be Yes. They're not as significant because yeah. you have a buffer. Yeah. Because you're 
It is true. If you don't use it, you lose it when it comes to that stuff. I think about my mom a lot because she is fit as a fiddle, but that lady doesn't use the old noggin. You got to (laughs) read. Like Peg, you got to. You got to just do things, puzzles that challenge yourself. She wouldn't even drive home a different way. You know how they say do things (gasps) like that? You have to. That's like very brush with the opposing hand, your, yep. your non-dominant hand. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, you know, we look at like the, the neural <clears throat> pathways that are created. If you, it's kind of like you're driving on the same road all the time, all the time, literally yes. and figuratively. Eventually that street gets worn down. And if there's not another street that you can take to turn down where you've created a second pathway where you're like, hey, here's an alternate route to get home. That street's closed and your car doesn't go, you don't go anywhere. Yeah. You're stuck. That That is dead and you can rebuild it. We know that neuroplasticity exists, but it is much harder to come back and, and build that after those connections are lost in, in places. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think it's good information. And if you happen to be a person that wants to know, this is a great book, Seven Steps to Managing Your Memory. And I hope you enjoy this interview with Andrew Butson, where he, he does provide some of that information and tips on if you're our age and you yeah. you know don't see this as an immediate concern, what you can do to prevent. Oh, good. And I want that info yeah. too. Yeah, certainly don't take my information. <laughs> take it from the professional who actually wrote a book on it. <laughs> no, but he would agree with you. And he talks about the use of drugs and alcohol. And I was Ooh, like, uh oh, la, 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 yeah. I can't yeah. hear you. Yeah. But it's good information to have. And then. Pick your poison. <laughs> right, exactly. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Thank you so, so much for coming on. We're really excited. I wanted to start by asking you sort of to clarify the general difference between what are like normal memory loss things that just happen when we get old versus, whoa, red flag, something is not right with mom or dad or even myself. I should probably get this checked out by my doctor. The way I uh, like to think about the difference between the changes in memory that occur with normal aging uh, versus those that uh, occur with diseases like Alzheimer's is I think about a filing system analogy. And so the frontal lobes are the file clerk of the system. The frontal lobes are just behind your forehead uh, where you would expect. And so they're in charge of going in and getting information from the outside world and putting the information into like the physical file cabinet. Now, as we all get older, our file clerk, our frontal lobes gets a little older too. And as our frontal lobe file clerk uh, gets a little older, she doesn't hear quite as well as she used to. Mm -hmm. And so information may need to be repeated a couple of times in order for her to get a hold of it. she also doesn't quite move as quickly as she used to. And because of that, uh, information may take a little bit more time in order to get it retrieved, in order to find that memory. And lastly, she doesn't see quite as well as she used to. And so she may need a hint or a cue in order to find the right file drawer and the right file folder within the drawer in order to retrieve that memory. And so in summary, in normal aging, sometimes information needs to be repeated. It may take a little time to bring that memory up and we may need a hint or a cue in order to retrieve it. But the bottom line is in normal aging, if that information did successfully get into the file cabinet, 
it can be retrieved. Mm. So that's normal aging. Now, in diseases like Alzheimer's, what happens is the uh, the hippocampus, which is the file cabinet, uh, that's what gets uh, damaged. So I think about Alzheimer's as if it is creating a big hole in our file cabinet. So you can imagine you pull open the file drawer and you look down in it and there's a big hole. Oh, man. And in that situation, you can have the most uh, energetic, efficient uh, file clerk <clears throat> bringing the information, information in from the outside world and putting it into the file cabinet. But what happens? It disappears down this hole. And so even when information is repeated, yeah. even when we wait some time, and even when we're given a hint or a cue, that information is lost. And so we call that rapid forgetting. And that is characteristic of Alzheimer's disease. Oh, that is so fascinating, but horrifying, of course. And it's strange, like, I've never had to interact with somebody that had Alzheimer's. I'm assuming you have. And... I wonder what it's like. I know that family members say it's so painful when that happens, where things seem to just be slipping away. I remember with Ronald Reagan, he wrote that letter to the public about his long walk into the sunset. I mean, is that how it feels? Yeah. So, you know, I'll tell you, I saw a patient just this morning and, you know, the the thing that really made me know just from uh, listening to the story that the wife told me that the patient almost certainly has uh, Alzheimer's or a very similar problem is that they were going to a wedding up in Maine and her husband asked her not less than 20 times on their like two and a half hour ride the same questions about you know, what was going to be happening at the wedding and mm. what were they doing and who were they were going to see just again and again and again. And oh. she was saying how, you know, uh, it was very difficult for her on all these different levels. It was sort of annoying to be asked sure. the same question again and again. Yeah. But at the same time, it was also, you know, so sort of sad and, and, and disturbing that, you know, her husband that she's been married to for 40 years is now repeating um, you know, these questions sort of again and again, but it's a, a perfect example of that information just not being able to be stored mm. by that file cabinet, by the hippocampus in the brain, because uh, Alzheimer's uh, has gotten a hold of it. One thing that I think people find very curious is how, at least according to what I've heard, is that oftentimes their memories of their early life are maintain uh, yes. vividness and everything. Yes. What is the deal with that? Yeah. So the the hippocampus um, is in charge of storing new information. And older information is actually stored in other parts of the brain. And uh, one of the cool things we've learned about that in the last couple of years is it's actually during sleep when our memories get transferred from a short-term temporary status to a long-term permanent status. Mm. And one of the things that I thought was really cool is uh, there's even some evidence that at least in part, our dreams may actually be 
us simply being aware of this process of our memories going from this short-term temporary store to a long-term permanent store. Mm, that and, is so weird. And so what happens is that when the um, hippocampus, our recent memory file cabinet, is uh, being uh, damaged and ultimately destroyed by Alzheimer's disease, all the older memories are the only memories that's accessible. So a person with Alzheimer's, when they are simply trying to think of something, you know, that happened recently, that they saw recently, they experienced, they read about, they're pulling older memories hmm. because those are the only ones that are accessible. Wow. It's really fascinating. Um, and you mentioned sleep, and that was one of the things I was going to touch upon is in your book, you talk about some of the things that can um, facilitate better brain health and among them are sleep and avoiding dangerous drugs and not boozing too much, which, you know, is bad news for a lot of people that <laughs> want to do a lot of drinking. But tell me why those things are of such importance. Yeah. No, I'm really glad that you that you mentioned uh, the sleep because uh, for anybody who comes to my clinic under the age of 50, sleep is the number one uh, cause of memory problems. Oh my God. Uh, you know, the, the most common story you have is, you know, I, you know, was up late, you know, I, you know, typically, you know, talk with my friends and get to bed, you know, around, you know, one o'clock and then, you know, I'm up early in the gym around, you know, five, you wow. know, exercising and, you know, people just going nonstop. And, you know, I think it, it, it is often a problem in our society that people just don't give themselves enough time to sleep. And uh, if one is not getting enough sleep, you're tired the next day. And if you're tired, you can't pay attention well. And if you can't pay attention well, then you're not going to be able to remember things simply simply from that basis alone. Yeah. And then and then we already uh, mentioned the other uh, uh, one of the other important things about uh, sleep is that that's when those memories get transferred from uh, short term to long term. And so if we don't sleep enough, what happens is even if you make the memories in the short term, you cannot hold on to them because you're not allowing yourself. Uh, time to transfer those memories to a long-term, more uh, permanent storage. It's fascinating to me that people don't want more sleep. I'm like begging for it. Like anybody that's been a new parent and has experienced, you know, the months or sometimes years of no sleep, you realize how you your cognitive abilities really suffers. And I assume it's cumulative, right? Like these things don't just repair themselves, right? Well, the, is there you know, good the news here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is some good news here. That, um, you know, I, I think that although it can sometimes really take weeks or months after sort of chronically being sleep deprived uh, yeah. with a newborn in the house, that, you know, eventually when your sleep patterns go back to normal, we don't think that there's been any permanent damage. Oh, thank to the goodness. From, from getting, from not getting <laughs> enough sleep. So, so, so don't worry about that. But, but I do think that you know, people should give themselves, you know, yeah. enough time to get a good night's rest. Um, yeah, you know, you mentioned uh, also uh, drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. You know, there's um, the the data is pretty clear that uh, most studies suggest that, you know, having one alcoholic uh, beverage uh, per day, you know, is probably just fine. It doesn't cause any, you know, sort of permanent uh, damage to the brain. 
But, you know, everybody's different. And more than that, you know, for some people can begin to cause uh, some uh, decrements in uh, brain uh, function. Uh, we know that um, the frontal lobes, the file clerk, are one of the first things that can get uh, impacted. So it can be difficult to learning new information. And then there is um, a, a much more severe memory problem that can occur when individuals uh, really are having some serious trouble with uh, alcohol and are also not eating right, and they end up with a vitamin deficiency of uh, thymine, and then they can have a, a very severe permanent loss of, of memory. So uh, I really do encourage people to stick to an average of you know one alcoholic uh, uh, beverage per day, but that doesn't mean it can't be you know two on Friday night and two on Saturday night. Yeah. You know, just as long as if over the week it you know it's averaging out uh, uh, okay. Well, and in terms of go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead, you. Yeah. So in terms of other uh, drugs, um, you know the the most commonly used. Uh, uh, drug. I don't even know if I should call it a, a, a drug because it's uh, now uh, legal in uh, in many states. Is uh, marijuana? Yeah, my and, co-host and, is a big pothead, so we got to tell her. We give her the scoop here, Andrew. Yeah. So, so <laughs> marijuana, like alcohol, I think needs to be you know used in moderation. And what the studies suggest is it absolutely can affect the, again, the frontal lobes, our file clerk, and they're not going to be, you know, working as sort of intensively, as uh, uh, efficiently as they otherwise would. I mean, it's almost like the cliche, you know, of somebody who smokes a lot of pot and you know, it's yes. sort of very mellow and, and laid back. Right. The, the frontal lobes are the same way, and they're just not going to bother taking in all the information. So I'm not saying it's going to uh, permanently uh, uh, damage the brain, but your memory system is just not going to work as efficiently. You're not going to uh, uh, learn and retain all of the same things uh, that you would uh, if you don't, uh, uh, you know, if you don't do that, and you know, the the other uh, thing I think is just worth mentioning is, um, you know, marijuana has become a lot stronger uh, mm. these days than it was, you know, years ago. You know, when when I was in college, uh, yeah. things like that, and you know, I so I do sort of worry that uh, uh, people out there they're just being exposed to higher doses even than what was you know studied. You know, I did not know that. Was, Oh yes, it's about ten times stronger than it was. 30 oh my years ago. god, that's yeah. crazy! Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. tell her to pass on grass. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I think a lot of my listeners are probably in the age range where maybe their folks are getting a little bit older, and yeah. I'm thinking their your book would be so great for them because it provides some things for them to look for. So when you're interacting with your family and you know. It's a touchy subject too. It's not like your parents are going to be super keen on you being like, hey, you know what? I think your brain's falling apart. So can you tell them what to look for and also maybe how to approach it if they do have concerns? Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, the the things to look for, uh, I would go back to that sort of uh, the filing analogy. 
you know, if mom or dad are having some trouble with their memory, uh, does it seem that they're asking sort of the same questions again and again? Are they telling the same stories uh, again and again? Are they getting lost even on places that, you know, they know well? Are they people that used to be very organized and now they're disorganized, losing things, you know, missing appointments, you know, things, yeah. things like that. So we're looking for changes. You know, what are changes uh, in, their, uh, in their behavior or in their memory? So those are things to, to look for. And in terms of uh, approaching it, the, the, the strong message is, you know, uh, it's not like it was 30 years ago when we would just sort of say, well, there's nothing that can be done, so why bother looking for memory problems? There are things that can be done. And, you know, what I would say is, you know, mom, you know, I love you. And because I love you, uh, I want you to get your memory problems addressed because I know there's things that we can do to help. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there are uh, medications uh, out there that can turn the clock back on memory problems and help to uh, improve the memory. Uh, the other thing is it can also be a wake-up call for some of the lifestyle things. And yeah, you know, these, good point. these are things that, that everyone can do, including your, your younger listeners out there, because there's a lot of evidence that um, the younger one starts to really take good care of oneself in terms of, you know, uh, 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 exercising aerobically every day, uh, eating a Mediterranean diet, uh, trying to stay away from, you know, a lot of the, you know, the simple carbs, the refined uh, sugars, you know, sort of as much as one can, it really uh, makes a difference. Huh, that's encouraging. I'm sure people will like that because just in these last few minutes, I feel like people will learn so much and that's why I hope they do read your book as well because there's so much more that they can continue to learn. One thing that does bum me out and then I'll let you go. I know I've kept you too long, but uh, is sometimes it feels like there isn't a lot of progress being made on the side of science. Can you tell me if that's true? <laughs> Yeah, so your perception is is absolutely true. The uh, last drug for Alzheimer's disease was FDA approved in 2003. So we have had a bit of a dry spell. There's What's no going doubt on, about it. man? Yeah, well, the encouraging news is there literally are more uh, new medications that are in clinical trials right now than ever before, than at any time in you know the scientific history of this uh, disease, so I'm I'm very hopeful mm -hmm. that we are going to have uh, new uh, FDA-approved medications uh, out there out there soon. Oh, good. So fingers fingers crossed. Yeah, let's hope so. It's time. Um, my last question for you is the same one we ask everybody, which is, what do you keep in the trunk of your car? <laughs> well, <laughs> if you uh, have a car. I do have a car. It's actually, I confess, uh, I reached that age in life when I decided I needed to have a convertible. No. The Boston area. <laughs> I love it. And I keep my trunk quite <laughs> clean so that I can put the top down even in the end of November when there's a nice warm day. That's adorable. I love it. Nobody has ever given that answer. That's so exciting to me. <laughs> do you enjoy your convertible? I do. I, I I love it. It's the first one I've ever owned. I got it in July. And at the moment, anyways, I cannot imagine driving another type of vehicle. 
That is so cool. Love it. All right. Well, you're off the hook. Thank you so much. And I hope everybody checks out Seven Steps to Managing Your Memory. 